Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. So, uh, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa, uh, ko Aurangi te meanga, ko Waimakareri te awa, uh, ko Conte Pere te waka, ko Nati te mata, te iwi, ko Christoph Zintel, um, ahau, and no Oto Tahi, um, ahau, a tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, kēnā koutou katoa. Um, it is an absolute privilege to be here amongst in a church that I have looked at for a very long time from afar and really had been inspired by. If you could ever have a secret church you want to kind of be like, um, for us in Wellington and the story, it's actually this kind of church. Because I come along and I, and I walk in, kind of people, you know, I've got... It's just, I feel like I'm kind of coming home. So um, it's really sweet to be here. I don't know most of you, but by the end of tonight, um, hopefully we will have like a little opportunity just to get to know each other a little bit more and to see what, what God is going to do and what does that mean for us um, today. Um, this is the logo, the image that we use for the church plant that we started um, uh, some three years ago. And we had come out of uh, Ototahi um, in Christchurch, part of Grace Vineyard with uh, Pastor Dave Mack. And originally we prayed and felt like we meant to go to Dunedin. So we ended up going to Dunedin um, and wandering the streets and saw a lot of scarfies and a lot of cold people. And, um, and, and it was just like, Jesus, if you want us to go to Dunedin, we will totally be here. In fact, we got so desperate to kind of go, if we, we're meant to be here, we just want like a sign. Have you ever done that? I need a sign. I need a sign. Hallelujah. You know what I mean? There was no sign. I even went to the checkout and I said, if the girl mentions church in any way, shape or form, I'm totally there. And she just scanned my lollies through and she said, is, um, that'd be $2.99, you know what I mean? And I realised Dunedin is not the place for us um, at all. Might be for you, God bless you, go to Dunedin, um, go the Highlanders. And, um, but um, when it came to Wellington, an absolutely different kind of story. Um, here we were walking around a, in a city which is politically very aware and, and alive. Everyone in Wellington has got opinion about everything. <laughs> you, in fact, you go to a craft beer, you have a, sit down and have a craft beer, and the conversations are around national doing this, around the local government doing this, around the next protest that's going to happen. When, when I was in Christchurch, where we grew up, it was more like the biggest thing in Christchurch is the earthquakes and the crusaders, you know what I mean? You go work that out. Or the mall, let's go to the mall. Or let's get a car and drive around the four avs. If you know, that's kind of an in Christchurch kind of joke. It's like, and Wellington, it's like, what's your position on, on, on militarisation of New Zealand? And you're like, ah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like Wellington is this crazy, full-on kind of place. Um, it's almost like a San Fran. You, know, you kind of go to San Francisco and it's like, there's, this, there's, there's all sorts of things right in your face. And for my wife and I and our kids, we feel really alive there. We kind of feel like, gosh, I think this is where we meant to, to kind of go, this is our people. And for a lot of you, you've come here to, to, you know, to the shore, you live in this kind of community, you come to this church and there'd be an element of going, when you ask a question of going, what is my people or what is my place in terms of say, I'm looking at a Maori kind of worldview, that's a really important question to ask. 
It's like, what is my people? What is my place? And, um, and there's this sort of this call to a church community that invites us to ask that question often, not in terms of a church loyalty, but a sense of going, I want to make this choice of having my roots go deep because I want to be involved in the relationships with a people and also a place. So it's really, really interesting. So three years ago, we had this kind of crazy dream uh, when we were just about to turn, we were, my wife and I were kind of like 40-ish, and we had this thought in our head that we didn't want to get to 60 or 70 and have regretted a risk or an opportunity to do something which 20, you know, if we'd look back in 20 years, we'd go, gosh, we should have done that. I've been like a youth and a young adults pastor. I don't know if you know what those things are, but a youth and young adults pastor is an interesting beast. It's like they never really grow up, you know what I mean? And then they get facial hair and they still never really grow up. And then they kind of hang out with teenagers and they try to be cool. And they, some of them are cool, but we never kind of really grow up. And eventually it was almost like I grew up from being a youth pastor and suddenly we found like God inviting us to this new adventure was to go kind of plant a church. I need to be really honest with you. The last three years have been the, most, the best of times and the worst of times. Seriously. If you ever want to plant a church or do something like that, I strongly think that you should seriously, seriously, seriously pray about it because it is crazy. It is going to stretch you and grow you. But also at the times you are just going to be going, man, what have we signed up for? We're taking a risk to start something new that people can't even see or imagine yet. And then we do it and it's still becoming. And here's the crazy thing is that some 20-something years ago, um, Vic and Fran had a kind of similar dream. Like no one had ever kind of had this idea or this concept around what Shaw Vineyards was. And, and so, so we look like ahead 20 years ago, if we just stick around and not be Muppets, I might, we might just get there to one Sunday night. We might just have something like this where we could gather people together, eat good food, and to see the kingdom of God come in great power and in great love. So central to, to our church is living out the biblical narrative, the story. And we are a vineyard church, totally. We vineyard with a capital V in the vineyard, you know what I mean? But, but next, right next to it is that we are constantly coming to our culture, which is Wellington. And instead of saying, do you want to come to our church? We are asking this question of Wellington culture. We are saying, what story are you living out? And, and, um, and even the title of our church is called The Story. And when I hang out with people, they go, it's, it's an unusual name for a church. Like, what, what is the story? And I go, oh, that's a really good question. Why don't we grab a beer together? And they go, oh, that sounds very... You could just see, they're used to like a Christian religious dude. You know what I mean? In fact, I was, I was meeting with my, my barber, who's a Frenchman, Oh, he's, he's actually been very well behaved since France won the World Cup. Um, but um, his name is Jason, and he'd be cool that I'm, I'm sharing this. Um, we play uh, like a version of football together called futsal. Um, and so I'm in goal because I'm the old guy, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'm just, my, I'm using my old body to block the ball, that kind of thing. And Jason's really fancy. And at some stage, he found out that I was a pastor. And he was like, Christoph. <laughs> He goes, I did not know that you're a pastor. And I go, yeah, I am. Um, do you want to grab lunch uh, one day? And he goes, I, I, I'd love to grab lunch with you. You know, and so sitting down, having this um, in a little kind of, um, kind of funky kind of um, Vietnamese restaurant thingamajiggy, just having a quick lunch because he was having a break. And his opening thing was, because when I meet with people, I always, I always ask them, what's your story? 
It's funny, like everyone's dying to tell you all sorts of things about themselves, but there's something really personal when you take a chance to get to know somebody and say, hey, so what's your story? And before I had a chance to say, hey, Jason, what's your story? He goes, tell me now. You are not the kind of bastard <laughs> that I've seen before. I know, why is that? He goes, you play football and you do not swear and you talk to people nicely. What is up with this? So I had, and over the next hour, I had this, op- this beautiful opportunity to have lunch with a person that had this really interesting and warped perception of what a follower of Jesus would look like, let alone a pastor. And I said, well, what's your problem? You know, like I was kind of kicking around, tell me what you're thinking. And he goes, there's no, and he, this is what Jason said, there's no way a Christian would have a beer. There's no way a Christian would kind of have the kind of life that you would want. And, and there would be, they would say, this is, you would have to be like you. If I was in your presence in France, this is what he was saying. If I was in your presence in France, you would have to know all the things that I'm expected to, to, to somehow know your faith and to, to accept it. But you don't do that to me. It was really interesting sort of seeing his perceptions of, of what a Christian was and what a Christian wasn't. It was absolutely fascinating. We are living in a time where, where we get to reframe the sort of what sort of story we're kind of living out. And, um, and that question I want to kind of land on really, really well and kind of bring, bring it up with the next point. Oh, which way do I point, by the way? I point that way. Or I don't point that way. Or is it on? Yeah, I am on. Oh. There's this great quote, again, by someone who's French in there. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up a collection of wood and assign them to tasks and work, but rather teach them to, to long for the endless immensity of the sea. I love this quote because when we talk of story language and when we sort of talk about what the Christian faith is, we are very tempted to lean towards language of belief and and truth and and those things are right and true and to be sought after and orthodox. We are meant to come to the Scriptures and read the Scriptures and, and wrestle with that. But there seems to be something quite interesting around wanting to paint a picture of what is the Christian story that is so challenging and so captivating and so otherworldly that that, that, it, that it's actually meant to be a vision or a story that is so grand that, it, that we are caught up in God's big story. And it shapes us and ruins us and, and, and it shapes what we do with our money and with our time and with our anger and with our, with our injustice and all these sort of things. And it's a very beautiful and grand biblical story. Now, my background uh, originally was um, theatre, and, um, and I loved stories and drama, um, if you can't tell. I absolutely loved it. Um, deep down, I actually loved it because I didn't, I didn't really like me very well, much. So I actually really enjoyed the thought of, I could, if I could play somebody else, I wasn't really, you know, if I could act somebody else, I didn't have to act me, kind of thing. It was a bit of soul sort of stuff there. When I met Jesus and encountered Jesus through somebody who took me out to dinner often and showed me what Jesus would look like over a burger often and prayed with me, that totally revolutionised my life. And at some stage, about 10 years on for me being a Christian, there was one time this guy come, comes and he preached and he, and he started opening up the Scriptures and he said, today I want to talk to you about the story of the Scripture. And, I, and by that stage, I'd been a Christian for about 10 years. And I thought, oh, 
And I remember seeing all the little stories like Jonah and the whale um, and, um, and then Moses. And like, it's almost like we, we chapterized all these little stories. And, um, and I was just going, oh, this, he's just going to tell another story. And suddenly he starts right at the very beginning of the Scripture in, in Genesis. And he starts in Genesis and he unfolds this whole, his whole message was, no, 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 the whole of Scripture is like a giant narrative. And I'm sitting there with my drama background going, why did not anyone tell me what this is? This is amazing. I was, are, we, are we thespian, not lesbian? We thespian-ness within me was just going, oh, you know what I mean? There was a joke, by the way, thespian. <laughs> On the shore, you don't have a joke, do you? It's a bit too serious, aren't you? It's because I said thespian, isn't it? Anyway, um, I was just like coming to life. I was coming to life. Never had I engaged in the scriptures in this way where someone was actually telling me that this is a giant and beautiful narrative story. And, uh, and I want to bring up, I want to kind of show you an example of that. Um, can, can you go on to the next slide and stuff like that? Here's like a little thing. Here's a little, here's a little something just to mess with you. Okay, I'll, t- I'll let you in on it, okay? Um, end, of this, uh, end of last year, I get my daughter, who's the one in white next to me smiling, she said, Dad, can you please be the dad that kind of comes on camp? Now, my other two sons have grown up now. They're 15 and 13. And I'm in that, the zone with them when I drive them somewhere and I see their mates. My elder son is like, Dad, don't even, don't even do that. Don't do it. Don't talk to them. <laughs> Actually, can you drop me around the corner so I can walk around? You know what I mean? I'm like, really? I'm a... I'm, I'm used to be a youth worker. I'm cool. No, Dad, you're not. Please just drop me off. You know what I mean? I'm at that level with him. Um, and with my daughter, she just, Daddy, can you be, my, be on camp? So we're on camp. And on the first night, school camp, this is what happened. Teacher kind of gets up, almost like she'd had a couple of cigarettes and a coffee already. And the thing hadn't even started. She goes, uh, okay, look, every year they do like a camp concert thing. Does someone want to do something? And at that stage, I was sitting there straight-faced, and I just went, can I, can I speak, please? You know what I mean? They go, yep. Yeah, uh, uh, Chris, Christoph, yeah. What? And this is what I said. Ever since I was a child, I've always wanted to do an interpretive dance. And I believe that this camp could be the time where I could shine. I said this straight-faced, and then I go, would anyone want to join me? And then the guy who's standing next to me, he goes, I would love to be in your interpretive dance. <laughs> and, uh, and so for the rest of the camp, we, we practiced this interpretive dance to, um, it was the salmon dance. Have you ever heard um, a salmon song? It was absolutely awesome. It went off the chain. So we did this dance. Was so much fun. It was so much fun. The principal was there and said, you've got to come back at the end of the year and do that dance again. And I said, no, no, we've done this. We've worn all the kind of lycra stuff. It's not happening. And then as last desperation plea, they had a school fair at the beginning of the year and we got this call and they said, can you please come to the school fair and do the salmon dance again? So that was a picture of that. Okay, so that's the story. Can you go to the next slide? Next slide. Um, uh, actually, the next one on from that. That picture, without me telling you the context to the story, you, you would have been left with your own interpretation of it. 
that's the challenge, okay? You, you didn't know me. You didn't know this, the background story. You don't know the before, what had happened, what had after. All you had kind of had was this one sort of image, this picture, but without the context of knowing the wider thing that was going on, it's really hard to kind of know what, what's, what's kind of, what is it all about? And we do the same with Jesus, so I don't know where, you know where everyone is in terms of knowing the story of Jesus or who Jesus is, but the challenge of Jesus is we need to know Jesus within the actual wider picture of the story. Else we're doing the same thing we had with me in that slide and here's me in that image. Yeah, we come to Jesus, we may read this, we may read the teachings of Jesus, we may hear some of the stories, we might even hear really good messages about Jesus, but what makes Jesus so amazing is actually when you know the whole actual story where he fits into the story and how the whole story is centred on him and not just us. And so if we take the biblical story and we read it, this is how it unfolds. Right at the very beginning is creation. So I'm starting from the left. Right at the very beginning is creation. So Genesis 1 and 2 is setting up the whole story to say at the beginning there is God. Now Genesis is not trying to be a scientific document. It's actually already pre-assumed that you know that, that God is there and in the mix. And in and the entire world, it's sort of here at the beginning of the story, it's painting the picture of, of Shalom, this, this, this perfect place where, where, the, where humanity and God kind of dwell and, and, and peace together. And then as the story unfolds, like in every good drama, Avatar or something, there is a problem that arises in the story. The problem is at this time is that the problem that arises and comes out is what's called the fall. It's, it's what's called sin and suddenly it mars the rest of the story. But it don't, not just mars the story, it mars how humanity relates to God, but also mars how humanity relates to each other. The whole thing is broken. We are broken. And the fact that you know there are there are so many there are problems and abuse and violence like the fall is so incredibly evident in our world. As much as we sort of want to say Aotearoa is God's own, it is so incredibly evident, and it changes absolutely everything. And so the rest of the Old Testament is this chance where you get to read what a people group relates to God would be like. And that, in this case, it is Israel, the Jewish people. And here's this amazing picture of Israel that we follow, is that Israel is constantly faithful and going, yeah, we'll follow you, Yahweh, we, we, we trust, we're dependent on you. And then in the same heartbeat, and only like a few sentences later, they are constantly going right against everything that Yahweh is saying, and they do their own thing all the time. And, and what's interesting about that narrative is that it brings us into our own lives. I mean, how many times do we look at what we do and we go, God, we want to follow you. And then some, and we, the next minute we are just, we are just running away or, or scared or putting our trust in military might or putting our trust in our possessions or putting our trust in our success or our image or our likes on Facebook or, or something else. And so Israel's story is like kind of our story, yeah, you know. There's the promise, there is faithfulness. There is God kind of wooing back his wayward kids saying, come on, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. Oh, you've stuffed up again. It's okay, I'll forget that. Come back to me, come back to me. It's this beautiful, redemptive and reconciliatory kind of picture. So here's how the story is developing. But 
all the time the story is heading towards a climax. So, so if you know anything, if you kind of cast your mind back to, um, you know, year 12 English, you know, oh, year 12 English. Um, yeah, woo, yeah. And, uh, and when, you, when you studied kind of literature and you studied, you know, storytelling, you know that every good story is heading towards a climax. And in our case, the climax is not the church. The climax is not us. The climax of the narratives is, is that everything is waiting with anticipation of Jesus coming. And who Jesus is, is absolutely paramount to the rest of the story. Because he is about to change absolutely everything and still changes absolutely everything. The author steps into his own world, his own creation, and is embodied as the Son of God. The Son of God walks around as flesh and blood, yet as God, and engages with people. And he points to himself as being the means of all reconciliation. He undoes the fall. It is in the process of being undone. Now, it's not fully in its fullness, like all sorted, but, but it's absolutely beautiful. And as the story develops into the next two chapters, we sort of see that the, then God's Spirit comes on a bunch of people, which is the church, which is us. And finally kind of finishes with one day is that this world will be renewed again. It's like a new creation. That's kind of the story that I have fallen in love with and allowed to shape my imagination and shape every single part of, of who I want to be and what I want to kind of become. And this story is so grand and so redemptive and so beautiful and so challenging that I, I don't even think I've got my head and my heart around it. The question I want to ask you tonight is that what story are you living out right now? The Western story is this, is that you get a good job, you might find somebody that's like your soulmate, because that's, in our, that's the, the cultural narrative, your soulmate. Then eventually, you might just settle down, you'll buy a house, you'll then save up enough money for a batch, you might do some good stuff, and then hopefully, you, you, you might just sort of check off, but whatever happens, you must be happy. That is the Western cultural narrative that kind of drives us all the time. We are being sold that and reminded of that. And that counter story to the gospel is very, very different. When we kind of look at the story that Jesus was living out, it is one where we actually choose not to go to somewhere because of what we can get out of it, but we go to a people group, what we can actually participate and give. Like this is what it means to be part of the church. So it's actually not about you. It's actually going, together we find the life and the sustenance of Jesus that, that it is in giving of ourselves we actually find that we receive. It is so countercultural. So what story are you allowing to shape your imagination? What story are you living out? How big is the story that you are involved in? I... Um, so part of our church is that we, um, my wife and I both work uh, jobs. And so that's why when I bump into people and, you know, like I'm not like a pastor that writes blogs and cafes and, and I mean, I'm not against pastors that write. I used to be one of those and now I'm not, you know what I mean? Um, um, it's sad. Oh, anyway, yeah, I wish I could go back to Egypt. Anyway, so no, no. Um, 
I can remember uh, in my job, because our people are kind of going, what does it mean to sort of see the story kind of live out? And we're trying to all the time sort of frame it in ways that people kind of understand. Um, and and here's, this, here's just one example. It's not the best example, but it, it, it's just one that I'll use. Um, I just happened to be um, doing stuff for some young people, doing some youth work, and uh, looked across in my, the community centre that I was in, uh, and there was a guy sitting on a park bench at two o'clock in the afternoon, and he had um, two large, um, uh, two or three large beer bottles. Um, you know when you get a crate, and it's not like a can, like they're really big bottles, they're like 750ml bottles, like he had, he had two of those, uh, three of those, and it was two o'clock, and I was like, man, that's a really interesting time to have a beer, um, you know, like most people don't go to public places and drink. They'd usually go to a bar or something, but, you know, that was full on. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Three o'clock rolls around, and I just happened to go outside and, and do some youth work with some of the young people, because at that time we were playing Foursquare. Hey, it was just so much fun playing Foursquare. Turned across, and that same guy's there. And when I looked across, I sensed God's Spirit say to me that I should, that I should go and I should talk to this guy. It was really tricky because if I was a pastor, I could just go do that because I'm like, I have the freedom to do that. Um, but I'm like working and I've got to be professional because I've got to care for these young people. And But then I'm sort of sensing, I think God is inviting me to, to something like that, to just sort of see if God's story is unfolding, like what, what role do I have in it? You know what I mean? And, and, I'm, and every leading of God is actually going, it's an invitation to see the story kind of further develop and kind of go, I didn't see that coming. And the, that was a plot kind of changer. You know what I mean? And I'm going, I wonder if this is going to be a plot changer or is this going to be a random kind of, kind of moment? Um, eventually, I take all these young people to a neighbouring park and, uh, and I get some of my youth worker dudes to kind of hang out with them. I have to come back and do a job. And when I come back, He's still there. So he's now been there for um, two, now he's been there for two and a half, three hours in the same position um, with this drink. Eventually, I go back to my young people, finish off the afternoon, and he's still sitting there. And then I get this opportunity. I say to my youth worker, I uh, see that guy over there. I think I meant to go, go talk to him. My youth workers who are just helping out going, yeah, sure, you go for it. And I wandered over to this guy and as I'm walking over there, I don't know if you've ever had this before, but you know when you kind of go, you sense God nudging you to, a, to do something and then you think, oh yeah, I've just got to do this bit and then oh, and then when you get to the bit that you, you, the next bit, you actually don't know what you're going to do. And that was exactly the point. So I'm walking over there now going, finally get a chance. I think God's asked me to speak to this person. And as I'm walking over there, I'm going, what on earth do I say? To a guy now who's been sitting for four hours with a couple of beers, and he and he was a rough guy, and I wandered over, and he's just looking into space, and in my head I'm like I've got these different things I'm thinking I'm going to say, hey there, you know what I mean? This is what you think, hey buddy, you know what I mean? No, that's not good. Christoph will die if that happens. You know what I mean? Do you want the coffee? You know he'll tell me to f off. Um, you know what I mean? Because he's got a beer um, off you. You know what I mean? And this is the thing that sometimes when you t take a step of faith, this is kind of what happens. You're just going to sound like a bit of a muppet. So I, got, I walked up to him and I got close to him and I said this, and, and I just I think it was like Jesus. I just said, you look like a guy that has got the weight of the world on his shoulders. What is going on for you? 
This guy looks at me and he just starts crying. Now, you would think that's like normal for me. You know what I mean? People see me and they're like, you know, you aren't really that pretty. You know, like, how are you crying? You know what I mean? This guy just starts crying and weeping. And I said, um, I just sat there with him as he cried. And he breathes in eventually and he says, man, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hate in me. And I said, um, and you know, hey, if you ever, you, ever, you ever want like a little hint, you always go, oh, why is that? <laughs> That's always really good, you know what I mean? Because you're not like, well, hating's wrong, you know what I mean? You know, because you could get a bit Christian at that moment. Don't say hate. God loves you. You know, he totally would have knifed me, you know what I mean? <laughs> Broke the bottle, stick me in the neck, you know, and then Christoph's like twitching out, you know, that kind of thing, not cool. And I said, why is that? And then he goes on to tell me, and this is what he says, I don't know why I'm telling you. He goes, I've just come out of prison. I want to do, I want to do meth. And um, I've got a prison, I want to do meth. And the last thing was something about his brother and how he hated his brother. And he didn't know what to do. And he wanted to possibly kill him. And I'm sitting there, and, and at that moment, as he's kind of telling me this stuff, I'm going, I'm fully alive right now. Not because I'm going, oh, I get to be the saviour, but because somehow I think if Jesus was here right now and embodied this moment, I think this is exactly what he would be doing. And this little part of me goes, look, most of the time I get it wrong. Most of the time I stuff it up. Most of the time I miss it. But this right now, I don't know if it's going to make an eternal difference. It actually doesn't matter. I just know that I think Jesus has me in this moment right now and, and as part of his big story that somehow I will get to be Jesus right now to this guy. And I listened and I said to him, you know what? I need to let you know something. He says, I, I help young people. I do stuff with young people. And, you know, and I turned to my community centre in Karori and I said, this is where I work I don't know if I can help you, but if you ever, ever, ever want to have someone to talk to, I want, I want to be that person for you. And he goes, oh man, it's, I'm just so angry. And I said, that's okay, I'm just, I, I, do, I try to do a good job of listening. And he goes, okay, mate. And he gets up and he kind of finishes his beer and kind of staggers off and I never, ever got to saw him ever again. What kind of story are you living out right now? What kind of story shapes your imagination and your love and your life and your actions? What kind of story is captivating your heart and moving you to, 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 to actions? The language we have at our church, um, do you want to bring up the last slide? That'd be is this, is that we, we talk often about storytelling and story living. And this is where I'm landing it tonight. And when I say storytelling, is that as best as we can, we're constantly allowing our worship, the music, the why we come and be part of a church to shape our storytelling. So all the time, if wherever we get an opportunity, we will try to retell or little parts of that biblical story to capture our imagination, to invite us into it. It's not like we do the, the whole creation all the way through to, to the new heavens every time, but, but 
being part of a church for us, and I hope being a part of church for you, is that you're allowing the biblical story of the people of God to shape the rhythms and and the shape of your heart when you kind of come and be part of this thing called church, rather than just like, yeah, I come to Shaw Vineyards because it meets my needs. Like if that's your story, that's got like a really little story. Whereas this whole liturgy, the whole purpose of why all of this is so symbolic and beautiful and rich and inviting is to shape and retell you that you are part of a very different cultural story, a beautiful biblical story that hasn't finished yet. And you have a place within that story and are needed and, 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 and your life points to the author of that story. So we talk a lot about storytelling. When we meet with people, this is our this is our thing, was that we tell our community, the best thing you can do is have a craft beer or a coffee or a dinner with somebody. And this is the question you should ask them. You ask them like, what is their story? So it doesn't matter if you're like opinionated or you're super liberal or you're political or you're government bureaucrat or there's just something that disarms you when, when, when you're with them and you say, I want to know you. Let's grab a beer. Let's grab a coffee and I want to know you and I don't want to know what you believe just yet. But I want to know your story. I want to know you. And I think that could actually work here in Auckland. Like tomorrow, we, the people that you've got to know and at some stage you go, you know what? We get on really well. Let's get some food. And I just want to know your story. So that's the storytelling. Story living is so much more creative and beautiful and so beyond your imagination. Would you dare to invite the living Jesus, the Spirit of God, to shape your story? That your actions and your words would do something that is so different to a hedonistic, relative kind of culture. And here's the gift of what it means to be part of the church is that we actually remind each other of that story often. And we embody that story often. And that story is still ruining us and shaping why we do what we do. So this, 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 the call to, towards response to homelessness isn't just a, oh, we should do that because we're Christian, but somewhere in, our, in, the, in the story of God is going, there is a great compassion for the lost and the least and the broken. A reconciling, the reconciliation nature of Jesus Christ invites us to that. I want to finish off um, with, um, with this passage from um, Colossians and... Um, and, uh, and it sums up the centrality of Jesus just so, so well. And um, uh, actually, there might, oh, you do have the little slide of it. Thank you so much. Actually, could I have somebody, a young wahine, if you could, um, read from Colossians 1, 15 to 20 for me. I, w- I was going to look at you, Petra, but um, okay, you're reading it anyway. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And you've got to do it like proper British-like. Because King James met, no, no, I'm joking, no, no. Just, 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 yeah. When she reads, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand you the mic, I want you to get a picture of the, the beauty and the gravity and the greatness of who Jesus is and allow that, that to, to shape and wow you. 
Because this is the kind of story we're living out. We look at the sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organises and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading to the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. So I'm going to invite you to a response tonight. Is this. Is there something in your, in your soul, in your heart, where we go, I dare to, to be an active agent or actor or participant within God's story so much more? And you would like to say yes to that, I want to invite you to stand up. Now, I don't know the details of what that is going to look like, but in your saying yes, it's, it's almost like the sense of going, I desire to be involved so much more in this thing that's so much bigger than me. So I'm going to invite you to do that now, to stand. And in your act of standing, it's like surrender saying, I want to say yes to that, to that invitation. Wairua tapu, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. May dreams and visions and great faith and character calling be stirred up within these ones that have stood. For they aren't just um, doing something religious, but, but would this action lead to faith and faith lead to action and then action lead to faith and faith lead to action? Would they know that they are loved but know that there is a great purpose to their lives, whether they are uh, uh, plumbers or students or in-between jobs or accountants? that there be a sense of whatever they do with tomorrow, there is great meaning and purpose because you are bringing love and life to them. Who would you take their story and you weave it in amongst your grand and beautiful narrative? Wairua tapu ka, Holy Spirit ka. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.